You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and now on Spotify. Be sure to give us a like and uh, give us some feedback. Tell us how we're doing. And be sure to to check out as well our On the Fin Side store. We've got a lot of cool merchandise up there as well. Paul and I are going to be here all season, all off-season. Really, uh, uh Around the entire calendar, we're going to try to be here for you, bringing you the very best Miami Dolphins news. The Dolphins are 0-3 in preseason with a 27-10 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. However, it, it does have to be noted, the Dolphins starters were beating the Ravens. I'm not going to say they're starters, but they're kind of starters. Uh, you know, they had about 12 starters not suit up, one of which was Joe Flacco. Another one was Terrell Suggs. But at the at halftime, the Dolphins were beating the Ravens ten to three. A lot of positives, a lot of mistakes. Paul, what uh, really stuck out for you in this ever important third game for the Dolphins? Well, I'll start with the good. It's Miami's got a really good problem on their hands, and it's going to sound really weird after they got gashed for two hundred something yards rushing. But they've got a really good problem on their hands, which is they're going to cut some pretty talented players on that defensive line at this point the players are doing what they're asked to do if you listen to our show last week the problems in the running game have to do with the wide nine scheme more so than it does with the defensive line and in particular the defensive tackle position given the resurgence of Kendall Langford given the dominant play by Jordan Phillips given the improvement again of Davin Gachow given the improvement of Vincent Taylor given the moves they made to get Akeem Spence in the offseason given the fact that William Hayes is kind of an inside-outside guy. You've got guys like Cameron Malveaux out there. So there's going to be some bubble players that don't make this roster that are pretty damn talented at this point, and that's an exciting thing. Now, I know people are going to say about the running game, and I'll go right to, the, to a bad thing I noticed in this game. Bad thing that I noticed is we continue to see at some point during the game the middle linebacker getting washed out of a play, allowing for a gigantic, ridiculous run, as well as that's one of the biggest problems with Miami defending against a mobile quarterback because the defensive line's whole job is to push up field in the wide nine scheme. And yeah. the linebackers are supposed to clean up the running game. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's, it's, so it's interesting you yeah. bring that up there because – when it comes to the defensive tackles for the Dolphins, I'll tell you what, I haven't seen Akeem Spence make a play all summer. And those are the same reports that are coming out of camp, too. And when when uh, Kendall Lankford gets in there, I immediately see him a lot sturdier against the run and making plays. So I think Akeem Spence at this point might be on the bubble a little bit. I mean, Lankford, uh, it all depends on what's going on in practice, too, but I think Kendall Langford has played pretty well so far. 
Yeah, you actually stole the next words right out of my mouth. I think Akeem Spence, as much as we've had him as a lock thus far, might be on the outs, given the young talent, given the fact that Kendall Langford's playing well. And, uh, you know, Akeem Spence is not a long-term rental here. So there is a very realistic possibility that Miami may stick with the young guys and Kendall Langford here going into the season and and have a three- or four-man rotation that's pretty freaking impressive. Yeah, I think Jordan Phillips played great in this game. And I'll tell you another thing about him, too. Throughout the year, if the Dolphins aren't careful, they're going to lose Jordan Phillips as a free agent, and that would be a darn shame. But you start to see the arc of Jordan Phillips' career. He was very, very up and down, I'd say mostly down, uh, up until midway through last year when he started being a force, especially against the pass. If he takes that to the next level this year, He's going to be a, have to be a player that the Dolphins re-sign, and it could be a pretty good defensive tackle tandem there with with Jordan Phillips and Davin Godshaw for a long time. I would be worried about the depth behind him there, though. I mean, yeah, Akeem Spence, has, like we said, has not made a play all summer. Kendall Langford at best would be a stopgap. Vincent Taylor keeps playing better and better every time. He had a blocked field goal in this game. Could be that third defensive tackle, and what a huge thing it could be for the Dolphins cap-wise if they can have three young defensive tackles here on rookie contracts. Oh, I agree, and, and I, I'm going to do a little quick pat on, pat on the back to myself here because I know you said you start to see the arc with Jordan Phillips, but I know you remember, and some of the longtime listeners of the show will remember, the past two or three years I've been pointing at this guy as well as guys like Bobby McCain and saying, like, look, I know it's a train wreck right now. But the long-term potential of these guys is, is outstanding. And you see Bobby now getting the looks on the outside after finally emerging last season in the nickel. You see Jordan suddenly taking the reins here at defensive tackle. So it's, it's, these are guys that sometimes players take time to develop. And it's hard as fans in an instant gratification generation sometimes to see that. But these are two guys that had some very, very strong promise and they're really starting to deliver on that, so I'm very excited to see it. And speaking of players that are delivering, one other thing I loved in this game is that three-safety look for the Dolphins with Minka Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, and T.J. McDonald. T.J. McDonald, moving around the defense, played lights out in this contest. And if that is the way that they're going to use these three safeties, we're basically we're basically Minka – uh, TJ and Rashad are taking turns attacking the line of scrimmage and you don't quite know where each one is going to line up each play. That's going to be huge to have not only the pass rush that the Dolphins do at defensive end, but also uh, having those safeties playing close to the line of scrimmage. I agree with you there. And, and Mo Smith is not a slouch when he gets inserted, if he needs to be in, into that lineup. The other thing I want to ask you here, and I know you knew this was coming this week, in a surprise move in the past few days, the Raiders released last year's second-round pick, former guest of the show, Obi Melifonwu. Now, I know, you know, there's little rumors circulating out that Obi doesn't love football, but it's also John Gruden taking over a team and a guy is injured and was injured all of his rookie year. So I don't buy that narrative, you know, based on a few other things that I wouldn't be saying this without firm firm, firm justification behind it. I haven't talked to a player that loves football more than Obi very often. So it, it's 
laughable to me. And the guy is a physical stud. If he could get healthy and just throw a little wrench into that mix, that's another long-term player that you've got who is ridiculously young and isn't going to cost you very much money to kick the tires on. I would love to see Miami put in a waiver claim and snatch up Obi. I don't know what your thoughts are there. You know, the Dolphins are stacked at the safety spot, and, you know, to the point where, like you said, most Smith is the Dolphins' fifth safety, may not even make the roster because they're so deep. I would have more interest in Obi at this point if he uh, can get some looks at cornerback. And coming out of UConn, he was starting to get some looks at cornerback too. But I, I'm also for snatching up and stashing any talented young player on the roster. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know about Obi not loving the game or anything like that. That's been some of the talk. But th- these injuries, you would think, have to be pretty bad if if they're if if they're they're going to cut a second round pick just one year later. But they get then again, based on what John Gruden's been doing the, with the Raiders this year, I don't know what the hell that guy's doing. So yeah, I, I mean, I'd be fine with it. It would it would remind me of a couple of years ago here when the Dolphins uh, snatched up Justin Hunter, even though they didn't need a receiver, but they got somebody who was physically talented. So we'll, we'll see what happens and, and we'll see the stories that come out on, on OB. Definitely not a, definitely not an impossibility there, but uh, speaking of the safety position, Paul, Yaminka, Rashad, TJ McDonald, it looks like this is going to be the core of the Dolphins defense. You know, it still scares me up the middle. The Dolphins look a little bit soft. And, but I, I did think that they looked faster defensively in this game. It, it seemed to me in this one when, when a ball was dumped off to the running back, you'd see three or four players swarming the ball. God, there's so much to talk about in what you just said. I'm going to go back to the safety thing for a little bit there just because it's so much fun watching those guys play, and I'm going to ignore the linebackers here. The other thing as, as well is you mentioned they would be the core of the defense. I think it really – truly starts the bread and butter and blood of this team is going to be elsewhere, but it's going to just make those three better in what they do. And that's Robert Quinn and Cameron Wake. Oh my God, what a terrifying duo those two are at defensive end. I mean, their backups could be starting for other teams. Andre Branch could start half the teams around the league. Charles Harris would get some playing time with half the teams around the league. You know, you, you start looking down the line and, and, God, they're so good at the defensive end position, but I can't think of a better pair at getting to the quarterback and terrorizing him, which is going to cause some chuck and duck moments, which Miami is finally suited to deal with on the back end of their defense. So there's a lot of excitement to that for me. Yeah, Andre Branch, I think, has looked fantastic in these last two games. I mean, he's he's really started to look like that player we started to see at the beginning of 2016 when I think he had like five sacks in his first eight or nine games, and they very easily could have been seven or eight. To me, he's clearly ahead of Charles Harris, and I don't think Harris is playing all that bad either. So you've still got have William Hayes in that mix here too. The other side of that is I'm fearful that if the Dolphins are not causing consistent pass rush throughout the game, my fear is that defensively they're not going to be very good unless they're constantly pressuring the quarterback. But I do like what they have at defensive end of the pass rush, and I do like their five first defensive backs, the the three safeties and, and cornerbacks, Bobby McCain and Xavier Howard. So 
we will see what happens there. But, Paul, let's uh, move along here to, to the offensive side of the ball. Ryan Tannehill, 11 for 16 for 115 yards and a touchdown. The Dolphins go three and out on their first three possessions, but then finish the first half with 10 points in their final two possessions, one of which was a 16-yard touchdown to new Dolphin Danny Amendola. You know, some mistakes, but it was a wet day out there, Paul, and Ryan Tannehill dropped the ball twice on his first two possessions, led to a second and 16 and a second 11, really knocked him off track. Uh, otherwise, how would you grade Tannehill's performance here? Grade-wise, I'd give him an A. The guy's a lock for us. It's really a, a Osweiler does not deserve to make this team yet again. Uh, this is week three in a row here. We're saying, like, what the hell is going on here? Why is he still on the roster? Davis Fales right now still leads the way for me as the backup quarterback, even though he did have an interception here. The intriguing thing for me here, and I know it's not part of this exercise, is the backup quarterback, when we get to the end of this process here, may have been on the field in this game, uh, but may not have been on the Dolphins' sideline. May have been on the sideline. Kiko went to in the middle of the game. What a <laughs> yeah. dumb, dumb he is. But there is a very strong possibility that RG3 may, may shake loose. And how poetic would it be to have RG3 backing up Ryan Tannehill for the season? I'd feel a lot more comfortable with RG3 back there, as weird as it is to say, than I do with anybody else on the roster. And that includes Fails, who I do like. I do agree with you that the backup quarterback position is a problem. I don't see the Dolphins going after RG3 very simply because it doesn't fit really what Adam Gase is looking for. He prefers more of a pocket quarterback. But I would take him over anything the Dolphins have at backup quarterback. There's, there's no doubt about that. One guy to keep an eye on, too, is Josh Dobbs from Pittsburgh. You know, they drafted Mason Rudolph in the third round. They've been stockpiling these quarterbacks. Wouldn't surprise me if either Landry Jones or Josh Dobbs finds himself on the waiver wire because I don't, I don't see the Steelers keeping four quarterbacks. But, yeah, the, the backup quarterback spot, not looking good. I mean, Bryce Petty, I was, I, I've said all along, I think Bryce Petty physically is the second-best quarterback on this team, and I would have loved to have seen him get, get in there yesterday. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he had an oblique injury, so he did not play and probably won't make the roster either. So – Looking at the rest of the line or, or at the, the rest of the offense, what makes me – was the two most exciting things for me on offense right now, and I think Tannehill did play well. I'll forgive him for dropping, a, you know, dropping the ball on the ground twice. It's not something Tannehill does during the regular season. The two most exciting things for me is Kenyon Drake and the pass protection of the starting offensive line. I mean, Ryan Tannehill can actually take a snap – look around, check down his first option, go to his second option, and if and need be, he can you know, fire the ball and, and do this and do that. He's got the time to actually do that now. And Kenyon Drake, a thirty six yard or excuse me, a thirty yard run and a thirty six yard catch. Kenyon Drake is averaging almost seven yards a carry here in preseason. No, I think Drake is absolutely something special, and I love the fact that they've got Gore and Balazs, who didn't play in this game, to spell him. The one thing that's going to be interesting here is I know early on in camp, Senores Perry pulled away and kind of took the lead, and he's still been playing well. But I really liked what Miami 
saw from the other Langford that they went out and got at the running back position. Uh, they just signed a whole bunch of Langfords in the last week and hope one of them sticks. But he could potentially unseat Senioris Perry. He's got a lot of playing experience in the NFL. Lost his starting gig when he was really special up in Chicago a couple of years ago and, and never managed to get it back. So, I mean, he's a guy that could even come in and be productive if need be. So there's a couple of different options, including including Howard as well. But I think Perry still sticks with these guys. I have Perry sticking too. I'd be shocked if Langford ended up making the team. Not only did I think do I think Perry is going to make the roster, I think he's actually going to be pushing Frank Gore here throughout the year. I, I think a lot of Perry. And you saw a couple of runs here. He has a very no-nonsense running approach. It's very downhill. And I think he's got a better burst than Frank Gore does at this stage of his career. So, you know, and he definitely makes the team and is, is active on the 45-man roster on game day because of his ability to play special teams. Paul, let's go ahead and uh, go down with our 53-man roster. Probably not a lot of changes here at this point. Uh, so quarterback and running back, I'd imagine, is going to stay the same. We've got Ryan Tanhill and David Fales at quarterback. And then at, at running back, we've got the four we've always had, and that's Drake, Gore, Perry, and Kalen Balage. Any changes for you at quarterback or running back? Not a bit. Me either. And so moving to wide receiver, I did have Isaiah. I did put Isaiah Ford on the 53-man roster after the injury to, De, to Devontae Parker, who's still iffy for the beginning of the year. So we've got Parker, Stills, Amendola, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford. Any changes there? No. And actually, I think between Grant's concussion, Devontae Parker's, we'll call it an ouchie, and, and I used air quotes on that for anybody listening. But the other aspect as well, and this is something I noticed in this game and just wanted to, to mention tonight, is we've worried about Isaiah Ford on special teams. But Brock Osweiler, for all intents and purposes, threw a punt to the Ravens in this game. And we saw Isaiah Ford fly down the field and make the solo tackle on that one. So, kind of alleviated any worry, made me want to see the guy play some flyer on special teams. I'm okay with it even more so now than I was before. And as you know, I've had him on my roster all along. So yeah, for me, Ford's a lock here at this point, at least to start the year. Yeah. Rashawn Scott uh, committed two penalties. One of them looked like BS on there, but Scott is somebody who can play, who can definitely play special teams. And Ford has not really gotten that opportunity, even though you did see him make a tackle. Uh, so we'll we'll see if that if that factors in. And and I'll tell you what, one thing I'll slip into. There were at least four pass interference penalties here in the Dolphins. The one with Mike Gasecki in the end zone. I I mean, you can't touch a guy after five yards. You certainly can't grab him. And that happened at least three or four times in this game. But we don't have time to go on and on about that. Speaking of the tight end spot, Paul. Obviously, we have both have Gasecki and Durham Smythe making the roster. We've had a disagreement on, on the last guy. I've always had Marquise Gray. You've always had Thomas Duarte. Uh, anything changed for you this week? I think Gray moved himself back in there this week, which I know you'll be happy to hear. But honestly, any of these guys behind them have been playing so well. And I can also see a possibility where with the if, if Grant's concussion issues linger, if Devontae Parker's lack of desire and love of the game of football continue to linger. That's all I can attribute most of it to at this point. 
because it's disgusting watching him play half the time, and then he suddenly decides to try for a few plays, which we've already been over. I won't beat a dead horse. I could see a scenario where they end up carrying four tight ends, keep Gasicki kicked to the outside like a really big, fast, mismatch wide receiver, and, and keep one or two of them in, the, in, in tight. So there is some possibility that we see an extra tight end stick if these injuries continue to mount at the wide receiver position. But for now, it's Gesicki, Smythe, and Gray. Gesicki, Smythe, and uh, and and Gray. Yeah, we both agree on those. Yeah, and I'm with you. They could keep a fourth tight end. I was thinking about that too. Duarte's a possibility. AJ Derby's a possibility. I mean, he he seems to be a player that gets in very early in these preseason games. And Adam Gase did talk him up a lot last year, so he would probably be one of the final people cut. We'll see if he makes a big impression. Game four is a big game for for some of these players like AJ Derby. Moving to the offensive line, we've had our top six locks all along: uh, Tunzel, Josh Sitton, Dan Kilgore, Jesse Davis, Jawan James as well as backup Ted Larson. I've, I have Sam Young and Eric Smith as my seventh and eighth guys. How does the rest of the offensive line round out for you on this roster? So this is also, and I, I want to throw this caveat out there for our listeners, this is also under the assumption that Jake Brendel starts the year on PUP because Correct. we both are fans of Jake Brendel. We both think he makes this roster. He's a damn good player, and he's somebody we've been a fan of since before Mike Pouncey left. But for me, I actually removed Steinmetz and I removed Smith this week. The intriguing thing to me is Smith is buried on the back ch- on the depth chart behind Zach Steroff. And yeah, he is. It, it, at this point, I think the team is a lot higher on Stirrup. So I've removed Steinmetz. I've removed Smith. Given the injury to Brendel, I've gone ahead and put Matthews on my on my fifty three for now. And I put Sterup on my roster in place of Steinmetz and Smith. Interesting. And I also think this is a position, too, that you might see the Dolphins carry seven offensive linemen into that 53-man roster and then possibly add an eighth or a ninth after the other cuts are made. Because Mike Matthews, I think he's a possibility. He comes – he's – he comes from that Matthews family. He's getting a lot of snaps too. Hasn't overly impressed me, but then again, a lot of these other people haven't haven't as well. Connor, Connor Hilliard is somebody I have to take a closer look at. He's he's one that sticks out a little bit, but I don't think enough to make the roster. Uh, on the defensive line, Paul, we've got we've got our locks. In fact, we've always said nine of them. One of them being Akeem Spence. So to go down the whole list here, Cameron Wake. Robert Quinn, Jordan Phillips, Stephen Gottshaw, Akeem Spence, Vincent Taylor, uh, William Hayes, Charles Harris, Andre Branch. I think I covered everybody there. So for you, is Akeem Spence still on the roster? Or are you putting Kendall Langford there? I'm actually not putting either of them on my final roster at this point. If If Kendall comes out a house of fire in the fourth preseason game against nobodies, I'll reconsider it. But as it stands right now, I, I'd be more than comfortable rolling with Davin Godchow, Jordan Phillips, Vincent Taylor, and William Hayes, who I'm considering a defensive tackle because there's too much talent at the defensive end position for him to get much time. So, yeah, that's what I'm rolling with. I'm rolling with four defensive tackles and using that extra spot somewhere else. Interesting. So, Cameron, um, 
Malvo, is he still on your 53? He is. He is on mine, too. I thought, I'm going to keep Jonathan Woodard there again. I think he had another good game. And I have no problem stockpiling those defensive ends because you're going to need them in a year or two. Cameron Wake's not getting any younger. Robert Quinn is not signed long-term. Andre Branch, this is his probably final year here. Same for William Hayes. As of right now, I'm going to keep Malvo, going to keep Jonathan Woodard. For one more week, I'm going to keep Akeem Spence. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he still gets the benefit of the doubt at this point. But you're right, Paul. If he doesn't step up, you could see Langford and Akeem Spence get cut. Don't be surprised, too, if that happens, if the Dolphins start kicking the tires on a player like Jonathan Hankins that's, to my knowledge, is still out there. Linebackers, we've got, all, we've got our five. I still think Chase Allen right now is the best linebacker on this team, not necessarily starting. But our locks right now, Paul, we've got the starters, uh, Kiko Alonso, Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan as well as uh, Stefan Anthony and uh, uh, Chase Allen. So uh, are you keeping those five, or are you adding a sixth one on? Speak for yourself on Chase Allen. I'm still keeping – or on Stefan Anthony. I'm still keeping Chase Allen, and that is it for backups. I think TJ kicks up in the box. I, I was disgusted with Garvin. I was disgusted with Stefan Anthony. They look terrible. I'd rather have Miami start flexing safeties up into the box at this point. So you have them keeping four linebackers. I do. Wow. It's weird and disgusting to me, but there isn't anything behind those four. Yeah, I, I think that would be another position there that they start looking at the waiver wire for. Yeah, if you look at that 65-yard run by um, uh, Ravens running back, that's their name's now escaping me because well, maybe he's about their sixth running back. Yeah, Terrence Garvin got absolutely destroyed on that play. And it's a d- disappointment because I-, I thought he had a really good chance to make the roster. Quentin Poling continues to not step up, too. I want to say one more thing about Terrence Garvin on that play. Not only did he get blocked out of that play, he took a really bad angle trying to cut around the inside of the lineman that was trying to block him to the inside on that play. So on top of getting blocked out of the play, he tried to go even further the direction the lineman was trying to take him and took himself even further out of the play, at which point I'm done with you. That, that is unforgivable. That is basic linebacker play that you learn at seven or eight years old learning the position. If they're trying to block you this way, you do everything in your power to go that way. And he did not do that. There was a gap he could have shot through before the guy even got to him. And he didn't do that. He does not possess the instincts. He does not need to be on this team. And Stefan Anthony just plays like he's like he's blind out there. I mean, he's fast. He gets from point A to point B. But going back to watching this guy at Clemson, I mean, when I, I watched several games of him at Clemson because I really wanted to like him because I re, Dolphins really needed a linebacker at that time. He looked like. I, the same exact player you see with the Dolphins, the same player you saw with the Saints. Just no instincts, which is a shame because he's really big and really fast. So I still have Anthony making, making the roster because I, I, I think he'll probably be better than what's out there. Don't be surprised if the Jets release Neville Hewitt if he finds his way back to Miami again. Uh, on the defensive backs, Paul, we've we've always stockpiled this a lot. So... Let's see here. The, the, obviously, the front five guys, we've got Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, Minka Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald. Then from that point, we, we both have um, McTire as well. 
Cordrea Tankersley, so that's that makes seven. We do we still have both have Jalen Davis on the team? We do. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and and Jalen Davis got some kickoffs here, so it looks like he's going to be that backup kick returner too. They're just getting him involved in way too many things for him to be cut at this point, I believe. And and good for him. He's somebody undrafted for agent out of Utah State that we both liked. And then it gets a little more interesting. Uh, we both have Walt Aikens making the team. And then after that, uh, I still have Cornell Armstrong making it as that 53rd guy. Um, and I still have the Dolphins cutting Tony Lippett. Has anything changed for you at defensive back? Do you have Lippett, Armstrong, or neither? I have Lippett, and I've saved my pennies in a few other places. I've got Cornell Armstrong as well. Very good. Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. In fact, uh, it wouldn't surprise me either if Jordan Lucas ends up making the team. You know, he's involved in a lot, too. He can play special teams. He's got some experience. will be interesting to see how that 10th or 11th or maybe even 12th defensive back spot figures itself out. In special teams, I would imagine nothing new to report here. Jason Sanders, Matt Hawk, and John Denny as the kicker, punter, and long snapper. I'm going to give you my typical answer of sure on Jason Sanders because, <laughs> I mean, the only laughable thing to me, and I actually had this thought watching the game, is once Miami gets down to, to Brock Osweiler quarterback, Matt Hawk is getting worn the hell out in this preseason when Brock Osweiler is a quarterback in particular. So I would love for Miami, believe it or not, to dump – Anybody they know is not making this team. Bring on another punter. Let Hawk handle the first one or two in, in in the next preseason game, and then sit his ass and let somebody else audition for another team just because Osweiler is going to play a lot in this fourth game. And, and I just think Miami's going to be punting like crazy. They are going to be punting like crazy with Osweiler at quarterback, and I don't want to tire Hawk's leg out before the season starts. Uh, I think that is the most meaningless uh, idea you've ever had in the history of this show. Well, thank so, you. <laughs> so that <laughs> congratulations. Now, yeah, hey, my answer to that, to quote you, is sure. Yeah, go for it. If if, if they want to do that, that's that's totally fine. Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt Hawk did did fire some bombs off here in this this game. No doubt about it. So, yeah, overall, um, I, I don't I don't give a damn about the score. I mean, when you've got RG3 and Lamar Jackson there in the third quarter, in fact, I, I would actually probably take uh, Josh Woodrum, I think his name is, the, the Ravens' fourth-string quarterback over anything the Dolphins have back there. So that will do it for our show and our breakdown of the Dolphins' 53-man roster predictions as well as the breakdown of the Ravens-Dolphins preseason game. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and now on Spotify. And be sure to give us a like and follow us on all of these outlets. And check out our merchandise store as well. Paul and I are continuing to build up this brand, and we'd love to hear from you. And if it is not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side. side, and it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Catton.